0: Welcome to the SMC 2022 podcast. 2000 years ago, Jesus gave an invitation that changed the world. Come follow me. Today, we have the same invitation. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the girls only sex positive breakout. My name is Kate Ingram. And I'm Kat Coyle. Kat and I both are on staff at the University of Arkansas. (laughs) We both aren't from Fayetteville, but it's now where we both call home. Yeah, and we
1: both love Northwest Arkansas. There's hiking, good food, home of Walmart, if you're into that, and the best of all four seasons. So y'all should come and visit us.
0: Seriously, if you haven't been to Fay, you have to make the trip one day. But today we're so excited to talk to y'all about God's design for sexuality. I know that we all have
1: different experiences with sexuality, but Kate, you should start by telling us what your experience with sexuality was like growing up.
0: Yeah, y'all, everything I knew about sexuality came from watching six seasons of Gossip Girl. Seriously, Chuck and Blair, Serena and Dan, and all the relationships in between. I wanted that kind of love life, one that was full of excitement and drama and being fully understood by my person. For years, y'all, I lived my life in that Gossip Girl mindset. I was trying to find my very own Dan and Chuck or Nate. But in reality, like I'm not Serena or Blair, my parents are divorced, and I didn't see how lifelong love could actually even work out. Sexuality is your sexual feelings, thoughts and attractions and behavior towards other people. Sexuality is a part of each of our lives. Some of the examples that we're going to talk about today is about sex, but sexuality includes any sexual act, not just intercourse. This includes porn, masturbation, fantasy, love obsession, and anything else related to our sex drive. And just like me and my Gossip Girl obsession, our sexuality is being influenced by the world around us. Our lives aren't just stats, but they do give us a good inside look into the reality of the world around us and our sexuality. So I want to show us some. 34% of women 18 to 30 watch porn at least once a month. 42% of people ages 15 to 19 have had sex. Over half of the women in the US masturbate. Over half of the women in this room, most recent sexual partner was a casual relationship rather than a committed one. 50% of marriages will end in a divorce. 71% of men and 67% of women wish they had more opportunities to find a life long-term partner and at least one-fourth of us have been sexually abused. With that, y'all, I want to stop right here and say, if sexual abuse is something you've experienced, I am so sorry. You did not deserve what was done to you, and I never want you to view yourself as a stat in our world. This is not what God intended and is not your fault. As we walk Through God's design and choices we make, I want you to believe the truth that what happened to you was not a choice you made. I encourage you to seek help through counseling and bringing your sexual abuse to light with trusted people around you. I know myself and some of you are included in the stats because in reality this is our world's view of sexuality. The world we live in has shaped our mentalities on how we view and act on our sexuality. Some of these sexuality mentalities include, why not, do what feels good, it's up to you, or the other side of the coin is, sex is bad or dirty, sex should never be thought of, or sexual desire is wrong. I want us to take a second to look at each of these. The first one is, why not? Sex tonight won't matter in four years, so why not do it tonight? Or you might fall into thinking, do what feels good. Sex feels fun, sex feels right, sex feels good. And the last one is, it's up to you. Sex is my choice. No one has the control over my sex life except me. Or you might be sitting here thinking the other side of the coin. You've been influenced by purity culture. The culture that the church has often taken, making sex a forbidden thing and leading to thoughts like sex is bad or dirty. Sex makes me bad or dirty. Or the thought that sex should never be thought of. The thought of sex should not be entertained or spoken of. Or the last one, sexual desire is wrong the feelings and attractions I have are wrong. We are all acting on our sexuality because of the mentality the world has given us. I want you to take a second and be honest with yourself. Which of these mentalities have you fallen into? If you were to ask me a few years ago, I would have probably have said a mix of why not and do what feels good. I lived in the now of my relationships, only wanting to have fun for today. Whether you are the same, have the same mentality as me or you fall into a far different mentality, none of these represent how God intended sex to be. It's not a secret that our world is sexually broken, and so are we. We aren't hem- here to condemn you, judge you, or just give you stats. Trust me, we have been there. And in that, I experienced a lot of loneliness and shame and was always left thinking that there had to be a better way someone showed me that better way, and we want to show you what God's design is.
1: Yeah, Kate, can you tell people what sexual brokenness actually is?
0: Yeah, for sure. So if you're anything like me, sexual brokenness sounds extreme, but the truth of the matter is that we are all sexually broken. But let's define it to understand it better. Sexual brokenness is anything that has taken us outside of God's design for sexuality. The way that the majority of us of us view sexuality is not the way that God intended. Romans 3:23 reveals that we have all fall- sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 8, it talks about how our minds can be set on things of the flesh until the Holy Spirit transforms it. And in Jeremiah 2:13, it talks about how we are all trying to fill up our cups that have cracks in them and sell it, instead of filling ourselves from the living water that Jesus gives. Maybe you've experienced sexual brokenness through hookups, porn, or masturbation or fantasy. Maybe you haven't had sex or struggled physically at all, but you have viewed sex through one of the mindsets I just talked about. So if we are looking back at the definition of sexual brokenness, being anything that takes us outside of God's design for sexuality, then I feel confident to say that we are all sexual, sexually broken in one way or another. Our sexuality, has not been everything God has designed it to be. Please don't hear this though and just think, well, it's a little too late for me. I'm not a virgin. I've messed up too badly. My boyfriend and I have already gone too far. We can't go back. I've watched porn too much for my mind to ever be free. What I've learned is sexual purity isn't a state, it's a pursuit. We can pursue it. Your past doesn't have to define you. What the world says about sexuality doesn't have to define your experience of it we see jesus actually tell a woman this that's experiencing her own sexual brokenness i want us to look at what he tells her john 8 is a story of a woman being caught in the act of adultery the city leaders bring her out in front of everyone the law said a woman caught in adultery should be stoned jesus tells the crowd he who is without sin cast the first stone obviously everyone has sinned. So one by one they walk away. Then he asks the woman, where are your condemners? She says there are none. Then neither do I condemn you. Y'all let that sink in. Jesus knew exactly what she did, but he did not condemn her. Isn't that wonderful news? He says the same to us. He knows exactly what we have done. Every single act of sexual immorality or wrong view of sex we have chosen, and yet Jesus doesn't hold it against us. He offers complete forgiveness, even for our sexual sin, but he doesn't stop there. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. He doesn't just want to tell us we aren't condemned. He wants us to have a better life. He's giving you that same choice now, but to choose, we have to know what we are choosing. So that's where we're headed next. So Kat, tell us what God says about sexuality.
1: Yeah. Just like what Kate was saying, our world has a lot to say and it's influencing our sexuality, but God also has a lot to say about it too. And I want you to hear it. So today I want to give you five biblical views that will shape how you view your sexuality. The first is that God made sexuality and made us sexual beings. From the beginning, God created us man and woman. And then the very first command he gave us in Genesis 1.28 was to be fruitful and multiply. Y'all, you know what that means? That means to have sex and to have a lot of kids. This was his way to fill the earth with people who are made in his image. So we don't have to be embarrassed about having a sex drive or we don't have to think that sex is dirty. God created sex and he made it for his purpose. So view number one is to know God made sex and our sexuality and he made us sexual beings. View number two is that God has a design for sex, and it actually points to him. Ephesians 5, 31 through 32 says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So what we saw in Genesis is that God designed sex. And what we see in these verses is that sex, believe it or not, is actually about God. The second half of Ephesians 5 is all about a husband and a wife and how they're supposed to treat each other. But these verses are talking about marriage and about sex, these specific ones. And it's talking about where two become one flesh. And then Paul, the author of these verses, goes on to say that this is a mystery and it's pointing to Christ and the church. So maybe you're like me and asking, what? How the heck does that work? Have you ever heard that in scripture? The church, aka any believer who is following God, is called the Bride of Christ. What that means is that one day, when Christ comes back for his people, there will be a huge wedding. We know this because of a book in the Bible called Revelation. It talks about what will happen when Jesus comes back. We learn that we won't ever have to be separated from Christ again, and that because of that, there will be a huge wedding feast. Think of the best and most extravagant wedding that you've ever seen in a movie or in real life. I guarantee you that it pales in comparison to this wedding. Y'all, it's going to be epic, and I can't wait. And what Paul is saying in Ephesians, these verses that we just read, is that marriage and sex is supposed to mirror the amazing wedding feast and connection that is to come with Christ. So when you see a godly marriage of people that are loving and cherishing each other and are having sex in God's design— we can know that we are just seeing a tiny glimpse of the amazing marriage that is to come when we know Christ. He created marriage, and sex points to Him. So we can know that sex is a part of God's design, and it actually points to Him. And similar to that, another view that we can have is that God created our sexuality, and it is good. The first Hebrew word the Bible has for sex is yadah. Yada means to know and be known and it's talked about between a husband and a wife, the way that God designed it. But God distinguishes from sex his way and sex the world's way. The Bible also talks about another word for sex and it is shakab. Think of this like a cheap substitute, not the real thing at all, fake love. This word is used anytime it is sex outside of God's design. It's used for rape, adultery, and sex before marriage. There's a book that has a ton of research on the hookup culture. It's a non-spiritual book written by a non-Christian. And here are some of the words college girls used to describe last night's hookup. They said it was awkward, used, dirty, empty, regretful, ashamed, alone, miserable, disgusted, and duped. All things that they felt. Y'all, these aren't even necessarily girls trying to follow God or do sex his way. But the reality of sexuality is the same for everyone. Do you want to experience yada or shakab? There are always consequences when we don't follow God's design for our sexuality. But 1 Timothy 4.4 4 says that everything God created is good, so we can know our sexuality when it's in its rightful place is a good thing.
0: Yeah, you know, Kat, what I always think of with this is a fire A fire is amazing when it is in the fireplace where it can be enjoyed and its warmth and its heat is contained but you don't want the fire to jump out of the fireplace and go throughout your entire house it can do some major damage and burn the whole house down with it this is what is happening when we take our sexuality and do with it what we want but when we keep it in its rightful place of god's design god says it's good
1: yeah i love that kate that actually paints the picture perfectly Because, yeah, when we see, um, when we do sex in God's design, our sexuality actually is good. And we can see that. And another view we can take is that sexuality God's way is a part of the growth process. First Thess 4, 3 through 5 says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not impassionate lusts like the pagans who do not know God. So what these verses are saying is that our sexuality isn't just something we need to deal with or avoid. If you look at these verses, it can be pleasing to God, and it says it can even be a part of our sanctification. But what is sanctification? Um, I was really confused on this, but basically all that it is, it's just a process that God uses to make us more like Jesus as we grow. Sometimes it can be painful, but it's helping us to become more like what we were created to be. And what we can learn from these verses is that God uses us avoiding sexual immorality and learning to control our bodies in that process. It isn't for nothing. It's to be made more like Jesus. So when, we, so when you go back to that same porn website, when you want to act on your desire to masturbate, masturbate and self-satisfy, and you choose to say no, you are learning to control your own body, and you are choosing God and choosing a way that is holy and honorable. My guess is that if you're sitting in this room, you have a desire to look more like Jesus and and us avoiding sexual immorality can be a part of that. Sexuality God's way is a part of our growth process. So our last view on sexuality is that ultimately our sexual desire can only be truly met in God. One of the most famous love stories in the Bible is the story of Jacob and Rachel in Genesis. The Bible says that it was literally love at first sight. Jacob saw Rachel and he had to have her. So he goes to her father and says, hey, I'll do anything if you give me Rachel. I'll work for you for free for seven years if you'll let me marry her at the end of those years. The Bible even says that he was so in love with Rachel that the seven years only felt like a few moments to Jacob. I mean, that sounds super dreamy, right? Well, what we like to gloss over in that story is the other woman in the picture, Rachel, Leah's sister. Well, at the end of the seven years, Jacob's ready to marry Rachel. So they have this huge wedding ceremony. It's like a week-long party with lots of food and lots and lots of alcohol. Obviously, too much alcohol, because at the end of the ceremony, it says that Rachel and Leah's dad tricks Jacob, and he sends Leah into the tent to marry Jacob instead of sending in Rachel. Back thing going into the tent was what made all marriages official. So Jacob wakes up and sees Leah laying there instead of Rachel. And he's ticked and probably kind of surprised too. For the record, I'm thinking if he just wouldn't have had so much to drink, he might have noticed who he ended up in bed with. So then he decides he's going to work for another seven years to get Rachel as his wife too. So yes, he ends up married to two women who happen to be sisters seems like a super healthy setup, right? It was the first version of sister wives, honestly. And no surprise here, these two end up in a battle for their husband's love. The Bible literally says that Jacob did not love Leah, but Leah was desperate to get his love. Y'all, I'm a lot like Leah. I just want to be loved, and there's been so many times in my life where I do just about anything to get that love. And Leah did what she thought she had to do— She used sex to try to get Jacob to love her. She did her best to sleep with Jacob and give him as many children as possible. She thought this would make him love her. Rachel, on the other hand, had Jacob's love, but it wasn't enough. So she thought that if she could just have children like Leah, then she would be satisfied. So she did the same thing. She used sex to try to get what she wanted. Here's the thing about Rachel and Leah. They both wanted something and they both used sex to try to get it but they both were left empty of what they were truly after. We often think that sex or any sexual experience is going to give us something that it just won't ever give. It doesn't ever satisfy us the way that we think it will. And I promise I'm speaking from experience here. So whether you believe it or not, your sexual desire is more deeply a desire to be known and loved. I want to say it again because it really is so important. Your sexual desire is more deeply a desire to be known and loved. And even though we can maybe get taste of that from people, it can only be fully given from God. Psalm 139, 1 through 4 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. He made us. He knows us. He knows when we go out and come back in. Talk about some intentionality there, you guys. And he loves us. Loves us enough to pay attention every time we sit and every time we stand. I mean, that's crazy, right? I would never do that to someone. And no one has ever loved or known me in that way. And I can guarantee that no one will. So to review, because I know we just went through a lot. God has a lot to say about sexuality, and he wants our views of sexuality to be shaped by him. Those views that we can take are, God made sexuality and made us sexual beings. God has a design for sex, and it actually points to him. God has created our sexuality, and it is good. Sexuality God's way is a part of the growth process, and our sexual desire can only be truly met in God. So now that we know what the world says and what God says, what do we do now? Kate, I'm guessing you have some thoughts for us on that.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. There are a lot of lasting benefits that have helped me choose God's design for sexuality. Kat, you just showed us that God has a perfect design for our sexuality. He designed our sexuality and allows us to live out his design to experience him fully. And with any design, there are benefits to following it. Just like if I was to build a bookshelf and I follow the instructions in the box, it doesn't fall apart. It's not crooked and can actually hold the weight of my books. I get to experience the lasting benefits of my bookshelf because I follow the creator's intended design. Following God's design and sexuality will allow you to experience lasting benefits through true identity, true intimacy, and true influence. True identity, like who you are changes. In 1 Corinthians six seventeen through 20, it says, But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Y'all, you are not your own. You are God's, and you are a temple for God's Holy Spirit. This is crazy because before Jesus, people would have to travel to the temple to experience God's presence. You might not have heard of God's temple, and if not, that's okay. All you need to know is that it's a very special place where people would go and meet and connect with God. The Israelites, God's chosen people, loved going to the temple. It was a holy place because this is where God's presence was. People during this time in the Bible would travel miles and miles to go to the temple where they could hear the story of God proclaimed. And they would hear stories of future, of the future hope of the King and Messiah to come. Can you all imagine that? It was probably the most epic story time ever. But one day God's temple was destroyed by the Israelites enemies, the Babylonians. And God's people were left wondering and with confusion on where to go and how to connect with God. I can only imagine how that felt. My guess is it was probably a lot of feelings of sadness and anger and helplessness. And maybe even trying to find something to hold on to in this middle of this huge loss. That was then, but today if you are following Christ, God's spirit lives inside of you. And this is huge because of the closeness we get to be to him. This closeness we get to experience is because Jesus, the son of God came to earth and lived a perfect life, dying the death we deserved because of sin and paid the ultimate price so we can live forever with him. Through his death on the cross, he gave us the opportunity to say yes to him, be in his kingdom forever and live in nearness to his spirit. The thing people used to have to travel to experience. If a decision to follow Jesus is something you haven't made, I want you to consider making it today. Whoever is united with God is one spirit with him. Since you were in Christ, bought with a price, this is who you are. This is the defining characteristic of your identity because of the high price that Jesus paid. You are a living temple for God's spirit. The God of the universe has made your body a temple. And because you are not your own, following his way for sexuality allows you to live in freedom and with your, within your true identity. Knowing your ultimate worth and purpose comes from him alone. Y'all, it's amazing that our identity gets to be defined by Christ. Another benefit of following God's di- design for sexuality is true intimacy. Intimacy is what we call the experience of really knowing and being known by another person. In Psalm 63.3, it says, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. The kind of love the Lord gives us is described as better than life. It's an intimate love by an intimate God that cannot be met by any person. Like Kat was saying earlier, God knows you. He knows you better than anyone. Think of how well your parent, your sibling, your best friend knows you and then think a thousand times more. That is how intimately God knows you. And the cool thing is, is he lets us know him deeply too. He meets the definition of true intimacy but when we do things outside of God's design, we are separating ourselves from him by following his purpose. We get to experience what he intended and we get to share in those experiences with him in an intimate way. I was just talking about choosing to follow God's design is choosing closeness with Christ. When I think back to the past relationships, when I wasn't following God's design, I desired true intimacy and I often ended with deep loneliness. But I saw when I followed God, I did not have to search anymore. Trust is essential part of intimacy. The more you trust someone, the more likely you are to be intimate with them. And y'all, the most trustworthy person is God. God doesn't make you wonder where you stand in your relationship with him. It doesn't change by circumstance. By trusting and following his design for sexuality, you have an intimacy that cannot be truly met in any sexual relationship. His love is better than life. You can glorify him and receive true intimacy through following his way for sexuality. And lastly, you gain true influence by following God's design. What you do matters to your future self and others right now. Say you get the guy or you get invited to the date party. Does it have lasting influence? It might not, but following Christ always does. In Philippians 2, 14 through 15, it says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. We have the opportunity to shine on our college campuses like stars in the sky. This might sound kind of crazy to shine like stars, but that is what following God's way does. It's different from the world, so it sticks out from the world and people are curious and attracted to it. And when one person follows God's way, other people get the opportunity to see that God has a better way for them too. This is the kind of reputation that lasts way beyond your four years of college. Following God's design for sexuality also has the potential to impact a potential future marriage. Proverbs thirty-one twelve says, she brings him good, not harm all the days of her life. If you choose to follow God's design, it will bless your future marriage because you're choosing a way that honors God. But even more than that, your life will look differently and you will get to make an impact for God's kingdom, like choosing to set boundaries in your relationship or not watching certain TV shows or movies. Every choice matters and allows you to influence and to shine for Christ. And as someone who is not married, I'm here to say it is worth it. What you do matters and choosing God's design can influence generations to come. Y'all, the creator of the universe wants to be at the center of your sexuality And by doing it His way, you get to see Him become your true identity. You get to find true intimacy with Him, and you have true influence for Him. Our sexuality becomes Christ-centered, allowing us to glorify Him within it.
1: Okay, you guys, we are wrapping up and headed home, but we hope that you leave here understanding God's design for sexuality and take a step towards believing that it is good. A true belief about this is the thing that will ultimately change our hearts and in turn change our actions. Um, But if you're looking for a next step, we didn't just want to leave you hanging. So we came up with three places to look as you start moving towards God's design for sexuality. Look up. Look up to God and confess and accept his forgiveness for your sexual past. In my opinion, one of the biggest consequences of our sexual sin is that guilt and shame that usually comes with it. Let God free you from feeling guilt and shame. If you're struggling to really believe you're forgiven, write everything you've ever done on a piece of paper and then throw it away. Physically throw it in the trash can. I've done it and it helps. This can really help you believe that those things are in the past and they don't have to be a part of your future. Look in, be honest with yourself, evaluate where you've been and where it's gotten you. What do you need to change? What do you need to stop doing? What do you need to start doing? What relationships do you need to end? And then finally, look out. Who is going to help you? You can't do it alone. What friends can you confide in? Is counseling a good next step for you to help work through your sexual brokenness? Who is a spiritual leader that can give you real accountability and help you make a plan to live out God's design for sexuality? So look up, look in, and look out are your steps. I truly am so humbled, and I know Kate th- that Kate is too, that God's allowed us to talk to you about his design for sexuality. Y'all, I've done a lot of things wrong, but by God's grace, I've been able to submit to God's design for sexuality and live out of that. It truly is so worth it. Because I believe that when we do that, the world really will begin to look differently. When we live out of God's design, we'll get to see godly marriages happen, whole families that aren't broken apart by divorce freedom from addictions, and we can experience God's satisfying yada love for us to know and be known. Second Peter 1.3 says he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. This verse is the ultimate pump-up verse for me, so take it and remember, you are not too far gone, your story is not unredeemable, and God's design for sexuality is for you right here and right now. You guys, thanks so much for listening. Go check out all the other breakouts on the SMC 2022 podcast, and we hope to see you guys at SMC 2023.